Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Welcome back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. I'm your host, Sam Gonzalez, and I'm joined today by Progress Texas Communications Director Wesley Story, Advocacy Director Diana Gomez, and President Ed Espinoza. Now, this is a happy hour, so before we get down to business, what is everyone drinking today? I'll start again. I think this is the third week I've had it. Like I said, I don't buy new beverages. We have Austin Beer Works Flavor Country. Forget Flavor Town, Guy Fieri. <laughs> Flavor Country Hoppy Pale Ale. Let's crack that thing. Actually, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I'm surprised it's lasted this long in my fridge. But um, like I said, I don't. I just take my friend's beer. Uh, Diana, what do you have over there? Um, I am veering off from the usual because I have finished the 48-pack or whatever of Trulies that I typically <laughs> that buy. And I have um, a red wine. I think it's pronounced Chianti. Chianti, uh, yeah. Okay. It's awesome. It's my favorite kind of wine I've discovered. UB40 would be proud. Wesley, what do you got there? <laughs> Diana and I didn't plan this, but I also have a glass of wine. Mine is a sparkling white wine, though. I don't know um, the brand. I just know it was like $10 and it's sweet, which is my favorite <laughs> kind of wine. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, there's no 90s song for that. And Ed, what do you got down there on the screen? <laughs> I am, uh, I've got some cider today. This is an Austin area cider company called Fairweather. And I love the name of the cider. It's called Cider Sport. And there's oh. people playing sports on the can. There's a guy here playing soccer. Uh, there's somebody on a bike. So if you're ever looking for a nice alcoholic beverage while you're working out, Cider Sport is the one for you. Let me get that you the is... opener today. Oh, I feel exerted already. There it is. That's such an awesome thing, a workout beer. Like, (laughs) it's a whole new concept for me. But we're not talking about beer today. We're talking about another election. Woohoo! We're back, baby. We just had an election on the 7th. And now we have another one coming up later in the month on the 24th. It seems like we have an election. We've had already so many elections. Wesley, can you explain why we have so many elections? I know we've talked about it before, but we're in the midst of it again. Why? Yeah, so this election specifically is the primary runoff, which exists to finally determine, you might remember voting back in March in the initial primary election, this election finally determines which candidates go into the November election this year. Um, So these will be the candidates that we vote for who will represent the parties in the midterms. Texas does have a lot of elections. And in fact, we have four this year statewide. So everyone in the state of Texas will have at least four elections this year. That's not even counting special elections. And then some places like Collin County actually have eight or nine total elections this calendar year, which is totally wild yeah can you imagine <laughs> thankfully we don't live in Collin county <laughs> at least the folks at progress texas but the thing is that's not unprecedented and the reason that that happens is because of our election laws here in texas they're designed so that certain elections are prohibited from being consolidated into one ballot so what that means is that if there's a lot of different elections going on in the year some of these elections only have 
have to, they're forced to stand alone by Texas election law. And so that's why you end up getting something like nine elections. The runoffs specifically exist because in the initial election, if you have candidates who don't reach that 50% threshold, then the two candidates who got the highest percentage in that election go into a runoff to determine who gets the majority vote. But again, the way election laws are designed in Texas, that's what leads to us having so many elections in one year. We're one of only like nine states that still does runoff elections. It's it's really arcane. There's got to be a better way. And it's really ironic because some of these runoff elections have lower turnout than the first round, which means they, they want them to they want these candidates. The law wants these candidates to get a majority vote to get the nomination when it's actually fewer voters comprising the majority than it was in the first go around. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but again, this is Texas. Not a whole lot makes a lot of sense here. Like, because there's a lot of runoffs, like a lot of people fighting for that position. There's like four or five, right? Yeah, there can be a lot of different folks in the initial primary election who are running. And so sometimes it is really hard to meet that 50% threshold, which is why the runoff elections exist. But going back to what Ed was mentioning as well, just with there being so many elections, the more elections there are, the less likely voters are to participate. And so when you have all of these overlapping elections, it leads to more confusion, even for longtime voters, because a lot of these elections, they don't have standard dates every year they may change. We know that we can expect an election in November, but now we're talking about having elections in March and May, some over the summer in June or July. And so it does get really confusing for Texans who want to engage in politics, but don't have all the information they need to be able to keep up with all of these elections as well. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, there's something Ed always says, and it's, it's that voting is just like exercising a muscle. You're exercising that muscle to vote. Um, but it's more so... I'm bringing it up as an excuse to just keep flexing that muscle and keep getting practice and, uh, you know, going to to vote. I totally uh, forgot, even though we've talked about it here at Progress Texas, about the election earlier in May. And I voted at exactly 7 p.m. on election day. I just oh like God. feet like zoomed in with my car, ran out with my sandals, whatever house clothes I was wearing. And I screamed, wait. And they were like, OK. And, you know, so. You know, I know we've talked about that this election is happening. Don't wait till the last minute like I did. I was very lucky to not get into an accident, either by running into anyone with my car or by just running across the street to try to make it to the polls. Um, you know, vote early. You will have time. Remind folks to, to do it too. Flex that muscle. Get that practice in. Um, because like Wesley said, we, we got a lot of elections this year. Voting is like a muscle. You have to exercise it to keep it healthy. And when you're tired from your exercise, cider sports. You beat cider, the alcoholic drink. <laughs> yes. To oh. quench your thirst after a hard vote or a hard workout. Uh, Diana, I was in the same boat. I was very last minute as well. Um, the idea was, though, I'm not even going to be in the state for the 24th. I'm going to be out of state visiting family. So May 16th, I'm going to be there bright and early. Is, which is when early voting starts. But uh, going back to you, Diana, what's on the ballot this time? Obviously, we've done it four, three, four times already. What's on this ballot in particular now? So many things. And just like the election we had last, there were a lot of not just statewide elections, but like local stuff on there as well. So for uh, this primary runoff election, we have statewide races 
that um, include but aren't limited to attorney general, lieutenant governor, land commissioner, comptroller, railroad commissioner. Those are some big deal uh, elections that are statewide, but also, and these might not appear on everybody's, we have state board of education. Uh, we also have some congressional seats folks that are going to represent you in D.C. Again, not everywhere in Texas, but you have to make sure to check your ballot to see if these folks are on it. And then besides that, we also have some um, state Senate, some legislative seats on there. And so, Ed, maybe you can help us clarify for these earlier elections, what are the issues that are at hand right now? So here's the thing. In all of these races that we're voting for, they are, as Diana mentioned, lieutenant governor, attorney general, comptroller, land commissioner, Congress, uh, the narrative that we're seeing Republicans push right now is the economy and inflation, regardless of the fact that you've got Greg Abbott actively hurting the economy with some of the commerce things he's getting involved with at the border by blocking interstate commerce and blocking the trucks from coming in. Um, every candidate running and any activist or any operative or any person who follows politics that, that is listening to our podcast should know is that anytime you're a candidate running in office, you should play to your strengths, play to the assets that you have in your favor. And in this case, that is standing up for voting rights and abortion rights. There's never been a time where those two issues have been more important than, more important than they are right now. And that's what our candidates are fighting for. So while Republicans are trying to change the subject and they want us to think about anything other than these things, we have to keep bringing it back to we are going to stand up for voting rights and abortion rights. While we're at it, let's add LGBTQ equality to that. Let's add public education to that, which Greg Abbott this week just said he wanted to send money to private schools and charter schools. You want to take money out of the public school system in Texas? You want to take money from high school football in Texas? <laughs> Good luck. Good luck, Governor Abbott. Anyway, the moral of the story is we should be playing to our, our strengths and we should stick to our issues and remind people what it is we stand for, what we're fighting for, and why they should elect us. That is the contrast, and by us, obviously none of us here are candidates. Us being the majority of Texans who believe in the things we believe in. Right, and, and a lot of people are mad about a lot of those topics, and so now's the time. It's so easy to just go right now and do it versus waiting until November. It's right, it's right now, it's game time once again. Before we get into our recommendations, because we are going to be announcing our recommendations in these elections, how can people find uh, find out more about voting, Wesley? I'm going to pass that to you. Yeah, so you can visit GoVoteTexas.org. Um, it is a nonpartisan website that has all of the information you need to know about voting. We also have a Spanish version, version of GoVoteTexas.org, um, which is GoVoteTexas.org slash ES. Um, so you can find all of that information in English and Spanish. It has information about how to register to vote, um, information about how to find your polling location, how to apply for a mail-in ballot and turn in those mail-in ballots, and then also information about finding your polling place across the state. You can also visit vote411.org. Diana mentioned before that not all of these ballots look the same because there are some local congressional races, district races, et cetera. And so vote, um, vote411.org will create a sample ballot for you that you can use to see who's gonna be on your specific ballot for your election. 
For years here at Progress Texas, we've been fans of Over the Ledge, the number one and some say only political comedy satire show based solely on the Texas legislature. Their live shows are a blast, and fairly recently they've launched a new podcast. Over the Ledge gives you a behind-the-scenes look at the shenanigans of the Texas legislature by decoding political headlines and legislators' behavior into easy-to-understand dad jokes. Legendary Austin comedians and celebrity guests, too, check out the Over the Ledge podcast wherever you find great podcasts. All right, so now's time for the big reveal. Obviously, Progress Texas has a stance on who we would like to see in these new positions. And so to start, Ed, I'm going to let you, as president, set everything up. What races did we endorse in and what was our process in figuring out these endorsements? So we've done this for a couple of years now. The first time was in 2018. We did it again in 2020. This year we did it a little different. We did not send out questionnaires to the candidates. We didn't do interviews with the candidates. What we did was we sat down amongst our staff who all of us follow these races very closely and we based our decisions on what the candidates, how the candidates are publicly positioning themselves. What do they put on their websites? Who have they been endorsed by? What do we know about their fundraising and their competitiveness? All of these things factored into our decisions. Also, a lot of us, because we're involved in this, uh, in this business, this political business, we know many of these candidates. We also know what their track record is, where they've shown up, what they have done, and that led us to make these endorsements. Now, this isn't to say the people that we're not endorsing aren't fine people, although some of them are not, certain congressional race that we'll get to. Um, the, but for the most part, um, this is less about the people that we're not endorsing and more about the people that we are endorsing. Again, with, with one ex- notable exception that we'll get to. So that's how we got here. Right. And so with Lieutenant Governor, I actually had the opportunity to speak to this person because he was on the podcast, my first podcast that I did. So our decision for Progress Texas for Lieutenant Governor is Mike Collier. So, uh, Diana, let's all let you start. So, like Ed said, um, you know, this was the 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 best choice uh, that that we chose together as a staff. Mike Collier running for uh, lieutenant governor. And if you want to hear a lot of his positions on issues and what he's fighting for, like Sam said, we did record uh, a pod earlier with him and we got to spend some time with him, talk to him. Um, we're really, or at least, you know, personally loved his uh, stance on the right for people to decide what to do with their bodies. You know, he's a supporter of abortion rights and of good paying jobs, of climate change. And wow, have we forgotten already the need to fix the grid. Um, and another really amazing thing is that he has always stated outright. It's even actually in bold on his website if you go look. Uh, but he's into reforming the criminal justice system and in bold legalizing marijuana. We've talked about that before, uh, but that's a, another great thing I wanted to point out about Mike. Another big thing about Mike Collier, and this was a big issue of his in 2018, and it remains to be one again in 2022, is public education. And he talked a lot about the inequities in our state with how public education is funded. It's basically funded on your property taxes. Those, that money then goes to the state. They then carve it up and decide how to send it back. But the formula doesn't always work very well. Matter of fact, I would say it it fails more times than it succeeds. And Mike's really the one who brought a lot of attention to that. Now, should he get the nomination, he'll be running against Dan Patrick, who is just one of the worst politicians in America. 
This is a guy who's against pretty much every reasonable issue you can think of. Just think of any one, and he's against it. Uh, yet he has ruled the Senate with an iron fist. He's ruled the governor with an iron fist. I mean, he tells the governor what to do in this state. And uh, he's basically just an extremely dangerous politician. Should Mike get the nomination, I think he'd, have, he'd be very competitive against Dan Patrick. He almost beat him last time. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, Ed, is that this isn't the first time that Mike is doing this. He ran in 2018. He lost by a margin of only 4.8 points, which is around 400,000 votes out of the 8 million that were cast. And since then, we've seen that nearly 2 million Texans have registered to vote over the past few years. And so we know that there, there are more folks out there ready to vote for progressive candidates like Mike. And I think that he's only gotten stronger since then. So he came up close in 2018. He's done this before. And I think that he stands a good chance this year in this election. Absolutely. And he's a nice guy. I mean, even talking to him before and after the show, getting everything set up. It's my first podcast. He was really, really nice. I really enjoyed his company and his time doing that. So go listen to that episode. But that said, next up, we're looking at Attorney General. So Progress Texas proudly endorses Rochelle Garza for Attorney General. Now, Diana, I see you get a big old smile for, for that. I'll let you start this one again. Yes, I love Rochelle. <laughs> I feel like she is an abortion advocate, candidate, uh, celebrity, but that's in my mind. Um, but also not just me, a lot of folks are really hyped up to elect this amazing badass qualified Latina from the Rio Grande Valley, uh, who's a progressive uh, Democrat. Um, Rochelle is just so amazing. Uh, I had first heard of her when I worked on the border interviewing unaccompanied minors to see if they could qualify for asylum or any other form of relief, and uh, she was actually uh, an attorney who worked for ACLU at the time that took up the case of Jane Doe, who was an unaccompanied minor who crossed over to seek an abortion. And she uh, beat Trump on that case, granting that minor a right to an abortion. Also on the board of Jane's Due Process, uh, which is just fitting another of our partners, uh, an amazing abortion fund. And she's just an all-around rock star, so qualified, so ready to uh, take down Paxton, which I'm super excited about. But I'll let y'all, I'll stop there. And I could keep <laughs> ranting forever about Rochelle and let y'all say why, why y'all love her too. Yeah, super excited. So we've also talked to Rochelle Garza in the past on the podcast as well. And one of the things that I loved most about her was the way that she talked about the attorney general position. So the attorney general of Texas is supposed to be the top law enforcement officer for our state. And I think that's something that a lot of people recognize. But what a lot of people don't realize is that they're also supposed to serve as the people's lawyer and as an advocate for Texans. They're supposed to work to protect our rights. And I think that people don't recognize that. They don't know that because our current attorney, attorney general, Ken Paxton, has been so terrible at the job. He's done nothing but attack our rights during his tenure. And not only that, he's been, been under felony indictment for years. So he himself has not even followed the law. I think that this would just be a complete 180. Having Rochelle Garza as our Attorney General would be something that Texans could be proud of instead of embarrassed about, which is what we are in regards to Ken Paxton. I don't have much to add that hasn't already been said other than that. I am also a huge fan of hers. I think she's a great add to our ticket. Um, if, if anybody is interested in finding out more about her, she has a couple of, of videos that she made for her campaign that are on the homepage of her website. 
I highly recommend going and looking those up. Uh, she's very impressive. Uh, she's relatively young. I think she's 37. I think she'd be the youngest person on the ticket statewide. Uh, we had a 37-year-old run statewide four years ago. We have another one this year. I like that trend. I like seeing that. Um, and she recently gave birth. She's a new mother on the campaign trail. So um, she is, uh, I like her work ethic. I like everything that she brings to this ticket, and I think she's going to be fantastic in the general election. Rochelle Garza for Attorney General. Now moving on to Land Commissioner. Progress Texas proudly endorses Jay Clayburg. Now, I'll start with this one. I had a conversation with him on our podcast a few episodes ago, and he, for football and sports fans, he's a student of the game. Everything that he said about land commissioner was, I had experience here. I was looking at this. I was studying this. I had traveled here to see what this is like. I know this area of Texas like the back of my hand. He knows what he's talking about. And for something like land commissioner, which isn't necessarily the sexiest position, he like really wants to be in this position, you know, and it is very important to take care of our public lands here in Texas. And I, in that small conversation that we had, once again, go listen to it. He really knew his stuff. And that for me on a first impression basis, I mean, who's looking up land commissioner people, but being able to see what he was able to do and what he's trying to do, that was more than enough for me. So I'm very excited that we have him as the person that we're endorsing. Ed? The Office of Land Commissioner primarily has to deal with four things. Those four things are, one, managing the state's mineral rights. So all of the open land where there's drilling, where the state owns that open land and there's drilling on it, all the revenue from those mineral rights go through the Land Commissioner's office. And number two, he also deals with public funding, he or she deals with public funding for public education, which comes from those mineral rights. So mineral rights management, public school funding are two of the things that the land, the land commissioner deals with. Third uh, is disaster management. Anything having to do with natural disasters in the state is also under the purview of the land commissioner. So think of all the big winter storms that we've had in Texas the last two years. Think of any time there's any kind of uh, a coastal issue down in the Gulf Coast or the coastal bend, usually with hurricanes, but sometimes with just other extreme weather conditions. That disaster management and recovery is also handled by the land commissioner. The land commissioner also deals with veterans affairs as well. That would be the fourth thing. Uh, I ran the land commissioner's race in 2018 for my, a friend of mine named Miguel Suazo, who was the nominee. At the time, Miguel was one of the most qualified people to ever seek that office. Uh, Jay Clayburg, his name is spelled K-L-E-B-E-R-G. I thought it was Kleberg for a long time. It is Clayburg, pronounced C-L-A. Um, he is immensely qualified for this position. A very nice guy. Uh, we also did a podcast with him. You should go back and listen to it. Uh, but we highly recommend a vote for him. Just real quick for me, I like that he has a background as an environmental advocate. And for someone overseeing these public lands to have someone who like cares about the environment, about our land and caring for it as we should, um, is, is, is just so huge and would be such a big game changer. Um, he's also the a former associate director of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Foundation, um, which is really cool. And another thing to add to the fact that he has a lot of that experience. 
Yeah, and I think that, you know, under the right leadership, this office really has a chance to lead the way when it comes to addressing the climate crisis, not just here in Texas, but across the nation. Texas is a huge state, and this is an issue that we should be leading the way on. And I think that Jay Kleberg is someone who could who could do that work. This is he's been involved in environmental rights and as an environmental advocate for a really long time. He grew up on his family's ranch in South Texas. He says that he started working with cattle when he was five years old. So he really has been doing this for his entire life. He's immensely qualified. All right. So for land commissioner, once again, Jay Clayberg. Now moving on to the next one, Progress Texas for Comptroller proudly endorses Janet Dudding. Now Comptroller seems like an inside joke when it comes to what what the comptroller is here at Progress Texas? Like, I don't know. I knew Sotvik once uh, asked that question. Uh, to remind people, uh, Wesley, can you remind us what a comptroller does? Yes, I'd be happy to because I do know that there are a lot of people in Texas, me included um, originally, who don't know what this position does. So the Texas comptroller is the chief financial officer of the state. Um, Their responsibilities include maintaining the state's finances. Um, That means that they collect taxes and fees. They pay the bills for all of the state agencies. They issue paychecks to state employees. Um, They produce animal financial reports. They're really just in charge of all of the money, all of those taxes that they pay for, and they make sure that our money is well spent and invested. The comptroller, in the words of Janet Dudding, also has a very direct impact on climate change because it determines what the state invests its rev- it's it's what the state invests in and how the state manages its investments uh, a lot of that goes into energy and the types of energy it goes into conversely our current comptroller uh, Glenn Hagar is enforcing a state law that says if corporations or any companies in Texas divest from fossil fuels that they will uh, they will risk losing state contracts. So now we have this Republican regime running Texas that says it believes in limited government and is now wanting you wanting companies to show its books to the government to make sure that it's not divesting in fossil fuels. By the way, their definition of divesting is if the percentage of fossil fuel investments that company has is less than the year before. So by using the percentage fee, uh, percentage n- uh, number, even if you did not, if a company did not divest from fossil fuels, but just happened to invest in other areas at a higher rate, thereby lowering the percentage of investments in fossil fuels, that then sets that company up for a risk at losing a state contract. It's crazy. But this is the state law, and this is what the current comptroller is enforcing. Can't they just pay bills? Another thing I'll say about um, Janet Dudding is that she is a longtime certified public accountant. Um, For someone who's going to be managing our state's money, you want them to be a certified accountant. And she actually started her career with the Office of the State Auditor, and she investigated allegations that government officials had embezzled taxpayer money. So she spent her professional life really holding the government accountable 
to the people, not to special interests. And I think that that's what her goal is to do in this position as well. She's talked a lot about policies that affect our economy. She wants to help the legislator spend the money more wisely. And she's pointed out that Texas is wasting money in a lot of ways. When we fail to expand Medicaid, that's money that we're wasting every year. And that's a policy where we could be helping people and saving money in the long run. When we fail to prepare for climate disasters, when we have a huge grid failure that costs the states billions of dollars, that's preparation that in the long run would have saved us money. And so it's not just about how she spends the money year by year, but where she invests that money for the future to to save that money in the long run. I also really like that she is really invested haha, in fully funding <laughs> public schools. Can you imagine what, what? how great what? that would be for our state? No way. Um, game changer and making sure, you know, with, there's funding for teachers to get paid well. And a little side note, I'm a fan of her slug, slogan called, uh, and it's it goes, hold them accountable. Ah, get it? She's an account. <laughs> we love a good pun here at Progress Text. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but that's the thing. For, so for those of you who were like, Comptroller, what's that? Now you know, and you know how important it is. So Janet Dudding for Comptroller. Now we're going to go to some even bigger ones. Uh, like I, all of them are important, but for Congress, that one especially is, is a highlight. So for Congress, Progress Texas endorses Jessica Cisneros. Now, uh, I'm going to pass it to Diana, who did the physical cheer. <laughs> well, I just want to know what the cheer was about. I mean, obviously, it's a great pick. We all decided on it. Uh, but it's exciting, of course. I cheer. Uh, I cheer because of the uh, spiciness that Ed had alluded to and the fact that we are super not into her Democratic opponent, <laughs> who could not even... <sighs> He's called a Democrat, but he's not really. And <laughs> some proof of that is that he's Trump's favorite Democrat. He voted with Trump over 75% of the time. Um, whenever tr Trump introduced things uh, during his presidency, God, I don't want to take us back to that time, so I'll stop talking about him now. Um, <laughs> yeah. He is also the NRA's favorite Democrat. He's the favorite of a lot of terrible, terrible groups, terrible people. He's also anti-abortion. He is someone that is not progressive, not a true Democrat, versus Jessica, who is. She is a queen. She's super progressive, uh, is uh, all about abortion rights and fighting for those rights. An amazing woman of color who was from Laredo, actually used to intern, used to work for uh, Henry Cuellar, so learned while working for him how terrible of a congressperson uh, that he was and is ready to defend her hometown and to fight. So Jessica Cisneros running in Congressional District 28. If you don't know where that is, it runs from San Antonio down to Laredo. So it is a South Texas seat. Um, kind of goes not all the way down to the southern tip of South Texas, but it goes kind of across, I guess, somewhat diagonally. Uh, this, is, this is a Democratic district. It is a Latino majority district, but it is also one that has the potential to be competitive in the fall. But if we want to mobilize progressives and Democrats to show up for someone they're motivated to show up for, we got to give them a reason to vote for somebody, not just against the opponent. Uh, I think Jessica is that person. Uh, Jessica Cisneros, also 28 years old. Uh, so another person who is running, who is a younger generation. I think it's always good to see younger generations run. 
we think that politics is a game for older people, and the truth is, it's a game for all people. Uh, it's not a game at all. It's just a, <laughs> but it's it's a field for all people. So I'm pleased to see her actively involved. Yes, she's for abortion rights. She's also for lots of other progressive issues. She's for raising the minimum wage. She is for addressing climate change. She is in favor of sensible gun rights, of gun safety standards. These are all things that are extremely important, not only to her district, but to have a voice like that in Congress. Henry Cuellar, who is the, I believe, a 28-year incumbent, um, I may be off on that by a couple of years, but he is um, the last anti-abortion Democrat left in Congress. He is also the reason we have runoffs in Texas. He used to be the Secretary of State, and it was the opinion written by Secretary of State Henry Cuellar that said a candidate, in order for a candidate to get a nomination, they have to get a majority of the vote. If they don't get it in a primary, there, there needs to be a runoff. So um, you can thank him for us having this round of our nine elections in Texas this year. And uh, hopefully, maybe if it all works out, it'll be his last one. And the last thing I'll say just in support of Jessica, and I've actually heard about her, I've heard her talk about this herself, um, and it's really stuck with me since she said it. But, you know, we all know that the Democratic congressional majority is at stake in this November election. So that means that every single vote is counting is going to count for future legislation in Congress. The House could lose their majority. Um, Cuellar himself could be the deciding vote that ends up tanking critical legislation, legislation on abortion rights, legislation on LGBTQ rights. With Jessica, with Cisneros, we don't have to worry about whose side she's on. So if we maintain that Democratic majority and that vote is, you know, there's one vote difference, we know that Jessica is going to vote for us. We don't know what Cuellar is going to do because his record shows that he votes with Trump. That is a dangerous prospect, honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's an easy decision, it seems like, for all of us, for Congress, Jessica Cisneros. Now, lastly, Progress Texas is going to endorse for state Senate, Sarah Stapleton Barrera. Now, Ed, I'm going to go ahead and let you explain the endorsement. This is a district that goes also in South Texas. There's a lot of action in South Texas. As a matter of fact, we should do an episode just on South Texas because that is where most of the focus and attention will be in 2022. It's also where most of the swing seats are in this state. This state Senate seat goes right down the middle of South Texas to Brownsville and uh, uh, just at the edge of McAllen, but doesn't in include McAllen, just goes all the way down to Brownsville. That seat is currently held by Senator Eddie Lucio. Eddie Lucio is the most conservative Democrat in the Texas State Senate. And by most conservative, I mean he reliably votes with Republicans. I don't know what the percentage is, but it is a lot. And in fact, when he originally decided to run for this seat, Republican Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick flew down for his kickoff announcement. He has since decided not to run. Sarah Stapleton Barrera jumped in the race. We endorsed her when she ran two years ago. Full disclosure, she's a member of the Progress Texas Institute, our C3 organization. Uh, she's a member of the board of directors there. This endorsement is coming from our C4 side. She had nothing to do with it. Uh, what we like about Sarah is that 
She is a bold progressive. She understands her community. She's a hard worker. She really showed what she could make of that district two years ago. Uh, and but what, what I mean by that is that nobody had ever really been able to successfully challenge Eddie Lucio in all those years. She forced him into a runoff two years ago and came real close to beating him. She's running again. She's got a much better campaign this time. And I think she's going to be a fantastic addition to the Texas Senate. I totally agree, Ed. And just a little bit more background on Sarah. She's a trial attorney and she's a human rights advocate. If she does win this race, she'd actually be the first woman ever elected to the Senate from District 27, which is really cool. Um, and in her platform, you know, she talks about access to affordable health care, ensuring Texans have quality public education, preserving the environment. You know, some of these really key issues that most Texans care about and are passionate about. Um, and it's a really stark contrast because she's also, like you mentioned, in a, she supports abortion rights. She supports LGBTQ rights. And Eddie Lucio, he supported anti-trans legislation. He supported the bathroom bill back in 2017. He voted in favor of the six-week abortion ban here in Texas. So this would be a total, again, 180 from what Texans in District 27 have been used to over the past however many years that Lucio has been in office, which has been a very long time. And I think that the Rio Grande Valley residents, they really deserve to finally be represented by a candidate who actually advocates for them and shares the same progressive values that they have. I totally agree, Wesley. And I know you talked about, man, we have to uh, do an episode one time on just the RGV. And a big part of that would be talking about how truly progressive a lot of those folks down there are. Um, especially in seeing how close uh, Sarah Stapleton Barrera came in beating Lucio last time and want to bring up uh, an amazing nickname that folks advocates down in the Rio Grande Valley came up for uh, Lucio, which was Sucio Lucio. I love it. It's my favorite. I like to repeat it as many times as I can because it's true, because people down there know he is Sucio. Sucio also means dirty in English for folks who uh, might not speak Spanish, Um, but folks down there didn't like him because they truly didn't feel represented by him. He was not a true progressive. Let's get Sarah Stapleton Brera into that seat. Well, there you have it. And that rounds out all of our endorsements for this episode. Now, the last thing that we need to do is vote. So as I mentioned before, early voting starts on the 16th of May. And the last day to early vote will be the 20th with the election on the 24th. So, Ed, where can we find out more information to vote? Well, we can go back to GoVoteTexas.org. Uh, find out what information you need to bring with you to the polling place, uh, how to check your registration status, and to find where your actual polling place is, I believe there's a link on that page that will take you to your county website, which will then tell you where you're, uh, where to vote. With those endorsements out of the way, the last thing you can do now is vote. And so as I mentioned before, uh, early voting starts on May 16th. Last day to early vote is going to be May 20th. And the election, of course, is on May 24th. Now, Wesley, where can they find out more about the candidates if they need a few more bits of information about them? Yeah, so we'll be releasing a blog with all of these endorsements and some more information about the candidates who we've endorsed. Um, You can go to progresstexas.org on our website and you'll be able to find that article there. Um, I would suggest send it to all of your friends, whether you share this podcast or you share their blog with them so that they know who we're endorsing as well. Like we said before, there's a lot to keep up with in these elections. So whenever you have those endorsements in front of you, it's a lot easier to encourage people to get out and vote and participate. 
Perfect. And last but not least, um, for those of you who are listening, on the Friday that we release this, May 14th, there's going to be a protest here in Austin, Texas, at the Texas State Capitol at 11 a.m. The Bands Off Our Bodies rally here in Austin. Now, uh, I think the deadline to get bust in has passed, but there's going to be tons of people at this protest. So if you want to support abortion rights, if you want to support the upholding of Roe v. Wade, you definitely want to come out. We will be out there. I know I'll be out there tabling, and you'll see us there really getting everyone ready to go. This is something that we really want to support and invite you all to support as well. Our very own Diana Gomez will be emceeing the rally. Yes, I'll be a co-MC, so you'll see a familiar face on the stage. And that's what we like to see. That's how that's how much we're involved here, but we hope to see you there. We definitely will be there as well. But that's it for this episode. Everyone, thank you for lending your insights. And I've been Sam Gonzalez. We've had Diana, Ed, and Wesley. Thank you all for joining me right now. And for everyone listening, Thanks for joining us this week. Head over to progresstexas.org to follow us on all social media and subscribe to our email list. And if you're listening to us on your favorite platform, subscribe to us. Give us five stars, thumbs up, whatever it is on that platform to let us be seen and let us be heard. Go ahead and press those buttons. Leave us a review. Do all of that stuff. Once again, thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, and our featured music is by Walker Lukens. Please be sure and subscribe to the Progress Texas Happy Hour on the podcast platform of your choice. Take a moment to leave us a review if you've enjoyed the show and be sure and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening and for all you do to press progress forward here in the Lone Star State. We'll see you again next week.